Welcome to the Digital Forester Podcast, where we talk to foresters about how they are using digital technologies in their day-to-day forestry work. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Digital Forester Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Don Downey. He's a consulting forester and the developer of Forest Metrics. Don, how are you doing today? Good, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, it's good to see you. We were just joking in the the preamble there that you and I, uh, you know, with COVID, we we uh, we haven't traveled as much as we we normally would, and and we're enjoying it. Uh, I, I was saying I don't think I'm going to make my Star Alliance Gold status. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, not interested in in traveling as much. But uh, maybe to start things off, how have you been, and how uh, how has the last few years have been for for you since we haven't uh, seen each other in several years? Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks again for, for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's been uh, it's been busy. It's been busy in 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 good ways. I think the the pandemic certainly, you know, took a toll on, on traveling. But at the same time, the the online connections really seem to ramp up. You know, people really seem to be exploiting these technologies and 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 not afraid to really connect that way. So <clears throat> honestly, it's been a bit of a blessing for me. I mean, I'm not I, it, travel has always been part of what you had to do. So having COVID giving you excuse to not have to travel, um, it's been a little tough to kind of get back into that. Uh, so uh, for better and worse, obviously, mostly for worse in terms of COVID. But as far as, you know, work-life balance and not having to travel as much, it's not the end of the world. So anyway, it's really good, though. I mean, the, the, our 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 core product continues to evolve. We have a lot of, um, you know, we have a good following. So we're in a good place as far as, uh, you know, the last time we, we, we saw each other was several years ago. And, you know, the, the product really has continued to evolve um, to the point where we're had a, at a maturity level where we don't have to be pounding the pavement quite so hard. Yeah, you know, it's, it's like, we're kind of, we're, we're there, you know, we're no longer really introducing ourselves to new people. Um, we're really kind of building the existing relationships and and working on that momentum. Um, so it's, it's most people know who we are now, or at least, um, you know, folks who are kind of in our niche market anyway. Well, we're going to expand it. So with this podcast, believe it or not, there's people from everywhere from Japan to Korea to New Zealand to Hawaii. Maybe someone needs to invite me to do a podcast in Hawaii. I'd happily do that. I break the travel rule for that one. Um, right, right. But in terms of forest metrics, you know, 11 years and 11 uh, months, according to LinkedIn. And so you're coming on 12 years. So congratulations on that. But before we maybe talk about that, um, I was curious to to maybe learn about your your journey because I believe there was a bachelor's many moons ago um, in in environmental studies and then a master's in conservation biology. But how the heck did you end up where you are today? Yeah, it it has been a a, a, a circuitous path. Um, you know, I I didn't discover forestry until late in life, relatively. You know, unlike most of my peers who who went uh, through you know a bachelor's of forestry. You know, that's that's it's not an industry that people usually break into uh, midlife. Um, but I, you know, had my my bachelor's in in economics and environmental science and. Uh, and went and uh, I was really into the ski industry and I wanted to run a ski resort and I got a job as a ski area planner. So for a few years, I was um, basically designing ski resorts and doing environmental and market analysis and stuff. Quickly discovered that was more of an office job than I was hoping. It's not as fun as it sounds. 
Um, as I started a building company, I grew up building. My father was a builder, home builder. Uh, and so I started a design build company, did that for a decade or so. And finally just um, realized that I was really much more interested in the wood and the woods than I was in the construction side of things. Always spent all my life in the woods, you know, from from a you know knee high to a grasshopper, running around in the woods, and and that's really where my heart was. And I and I discovered like the you know wood that I love building. I really love growing the trees, and so I kind of developed or or, or discovered this passion I had for trees and growing trees and and being in a forested ecosystem. Um, so I went back to school. I, I had a friend who was a forester, a couple friends at the time. Um, as a as an adult learner, it's kind of tough to just you can't just go back and get a bachelor's, at least not without. Yeah. Um, so I found a master's program in conservation biology where I was really able to just replicate a pretty conventional forestry education. Um, so that was in 2011 or 12. And it was while I was in my master's program that I, you know, I set out to become a consulting forester. That's what I wanted to do. <clears throat> and I was in in my program. And kind of thinking about, oh, well, how do I want to set up my business? You know, how am I going to actually do this job? I'm, I've always been kind of systems and process oriented, you know, like how does something work, you know? And I'm looking at how I can be efficient and looking at what was available at the time for really software for consultants, you know, for small shops who need to run up inventory data and it just the the options at the time weren't all that compelling in terms of you know as you as you well know um, you've been in it for a long time you've seen huge change in terms of the technology that people are using, and at the time it was just it was pretty archaic stuff, pretty uh, kind of old school and and hard to really adopt and certainly not very accessible. Um, so I was uh, one of my friends at the time was in database development and I was telling him how, uh, you know, this is, this is what I'm doing now. And, and I said, yeah, and I just, I really need to collect this data. I need to run some math on it. I need to. And he said, well, geez, why don't we just make an app? You know, I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, computer guys, sure enough, like a day later, he's like, what, how about this? You know, and he had something mocked up on an iPhone, you know, back when the iPhones were like this big, you know? Um, and and it just kind of started from there. It was 2012, and we just started bouncing ideas back and forth. So I I didn't even have my degree, and I was um, we kind of started building this just for fun. I quickly discovered that there was really there was a need for this, and and the development seemed possible. You know, we're Forest Metrics. It's it's a database program. <clears throat> it's 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 not coded from the ground up. It runs in FileMaker, which is a database uh, uh, environment. So we were able to kind of rapidly deploy something that was really quite sophisticated without a bench of 15 programmers and a seven-figure budget, you know? Yep. And through that, I basically said, well, geez, this is great. You know, I want to be a consulting forester and 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 kind of take care of my two or 300 clients and help them grow healthier forests or i could help two or 300 of my consulting forester colleagues do the same for their two or 300 clients and it just seemed like a way to have kind of a, a wider impact and kind of sharing the you know what we were what we were learning and and i just i met so many people that were in my my shoes 
you know, and it just seemed like there was a real hole in the market. So, so yeah, we ended up kind of starting forest metrics and I had to shelve the consulting forestry career for a few years. Once forest metrics by like 2017, 18, it was pretty mature. I was able to really focus back in the woods. And then, you know, for the past few years have, have kind of uh, basically just played in both worlds, you know? Um, so, so anyway, that was, it was an odd trajectory, um, but it, but it was worth it. it. It had to be done in order to put those pieces together. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing to hear. I didn't know you had that design build side of things because most of the guys I know, that that start that design build they kind of stay in it because they're hooked on building and doing all this cool stuff so it's fascinating to hear you you decided early on saying you know what i'm gonna go be a consulting forester and then ended up building the tools that a consulting forester would use and maybe taking another detour uh, sounds like a great detour right to get to where you are where you are now um yeah. so thinking about that like you're you're based in vermont i think or is it maine yeah central vermont right on the border of uh new hampshire Connecticut River Valley. Very cool. Very cool. So maybe for our audience, um, maybe tell us about the business of forestry in your neck of the woods in that Vermont, Maine. I know there's been some ups, downs, and but what's the world uh, look like today? Well, that's that's a, a good question. And it's it's interesting because of how that affected the trajectory of the company in terms of, you know, forestry is so hyper locally specific in terms of how people are doing things that, you know, when we start building a program, we say, oh, this is really awesome. It's perfect. Well, it's perfect for like 5% of foresters, you know, and then you go down to Pennsylvania and you say, oh, geez, they do region evaluation this way. And then you get down to, you know, it just, it, the further you get from home, the more different things get. So the product that was originally built it was using this inventory tally method that was, um, I, I, I can't even remember the name of it right now, some old DOS program that just happened to be the standard in this very particular region with this very particular cohort of foresters. And we just thought that was it, you know, oh, we're like, this is forestry, you know? Well, no, there was, you know, one of 12 ways to do it. So for those first couple of years, it was very much like it, it kind of building by the seat of your pants, building additional capabilities to accommodate the 150 different ways people are doing things. So in New England, we're very much it's it's a hardwood market. You know, it's hardwood saw logs is is what drives the business and white pine um, spruce fir to to a lesser extent. Um, you know, that's more kind of like northern New Hampshire, Maine. Um, you know, we're kind of in the central part of the state where we get down into, you know, you're kind of Adirondacks, Green Mountains, Whites, down into Massachusetts and beyond. A lot of northern hardwood. So so not much pulp to speak of. I mean, in the past decade or 15 years, we know what's happened to most of the mills. Um, so so our, our, our low value market continues to decline. And it just puts all the more emphasis on just growing high grade lumber. You know, I mean, that's that's ultimately as consultants, that's what we're trying to do is grow trees of more value. Um, of course, you know, 50 years ago in Maine, that was easy when you're just sending, you know, matchsticks to the to the pulp mill. <clears throat> but now it's it's much more deliberate. You know, it really takes intention. Um, so so that's our market. You know, we're working with anywhere from 50 to 
I think our largest client is about 8,000 acres. Um, most average about two, 250 acres or figure 100 hectare or 100 Canadian acres. Um, that's pretty much our average land holding. So it's a lot of, you know, mid-size sales, you know, where you're selling, you know, half million board feet, million board feet or smaller, you know, 100,000 board feet. Um, and you're really playing the markets in terms of, you know, is the pine hitting just right? Is oak moving? Um, you know, it, it's a real dance. It's it's tough in some ways, particularly as our lands are getting so fragmented around here. You know, you have landowners that have 40 acres and they want to manage it. And, it's, you know, the economies of scale, excuse me, just aren't there. Yeah. So anyway, that that's what we're dealing with in our, you know, pretty much Vermont, New Hampshire. It's, of course, not unusual. It's not unique. Um, but that was that was the the um, uh, what's the word that that was the lens through which I first viewed forestry. You know, we don't really have plantation style forestry like in the south or in the lake states and certainly nothing like the northwest. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So thinking of forest metrics, a very cool story and, and journey. And, and, and again, we've known each other for years and even like these are new stories for me. So I, I find the story is just absolutely fascinating and learning more about your journey. So thinking of forest metrics, maybe for our audience um, who who aren't in your 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 niche and, and, and other regions of North America or even abroad, mm-hmm. uh, what's the target, what's the ideal customer uh, profile for you? And and what are the values? What, what am I buying? I'm, I'm Joe Forrester or Jane Forrester and um, I'm coming to, 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 to you and I'd say, all right, uh, what's your soccer do? And, and uh, what am I going to get out of it? What, what's the, what's the pitch for force metrics and the force metrics pro software? Cause I think you have a couple of different editions last time I checked and catering to different, different needs. Yeah, it well, it's interesting. The way you phrase that question is you kind of hit on something um, in that you kind of said, what what's your target forester? It's not really what's our target company. It's it's the foresters that come to us are folks looking for an easy, as in simple to learn solution. And that doesn't necessarily just mean consultants. Like we have this really funny um, uh, band of clients where we have a couple exceptionally large state agencies, right down to a lot of, you know, one man consulting firms. And the reason for that is there are, there are all, all sectors, all, I mean, we have uh, Warehouser uses our product in one of their outfits, you know, uh, you know, state of Wisconsin has a hundred and 80 foresters, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mississippi Forestry Commission, um, uh, the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. And the reason is whoever the audience is, they're trying to deploy a solution that's simple for their audience to pick up, you know, uh, and, and that's kind of always been our our, our shtick is we want to make something that people can just pick up, look at it, and within a fairly reasonable time horizon, be able to just go cruise. Um, you know, when when we develop this, uh, you know, the, the some of the expectations at the time were that you would pay for hours or even days or weeks of training that you would pay for in order to learn how to use the software. And to us, that model just seemed absurd. It's like, well, why don't we just make it easier so people don't have to invest two weeks to learn it? Um, so that ethos is what kind of gave us this name and this reputation as 
software that's really powerful, but you can just pick it up and go. You know, you don't need a you don't need to be super technical. And we we kind of brought it to hardware, you know, iPhones, iPads that people are used to using. So it's kind of in that in that environment that people are really accustomed to. So we just kind of used a lot of the design guidelines and a lot of the kind of the features that people are used to seeing but it's the hyper-specific forestry tools. It just happens to be in, you know, the most ubiquitous device on the, in the world right now, you know, the, the iPhone. For sure. For sure. Now, now if we go back to that time, um, you know, we still were <laughs> to date ourselves, but we still had the, the clamshell phones or even the good old Nokia one. So again, we're dating ourselves, but it was a different time. So thinking of when you're building this, what were maybe some of the, the, I, I call them speed bumps and I'm not asking this question in the context of focusing on, on a negative, as opposed to, I believe with any technology transfer, if that's the right word, yeah. there's a consistent maybe set of speed bumps, such as this is how we've always done it, Don. So why would I change or, or can this thing work in like minus whatever, you know, Fahrenheit and say, yeah, of course it, it, it'll work there or, you know, or what lasts, the eight hour shift I'm on, right? And you're kind of giggling, you're, you're thinking back. But in the early days, as you're bringing this technology to market, what were some of those, those things you had to, to maybe confront and, and kind of work and, and get people's thinking to, uh, over that fence, if you will, to, to, to realize that there is a better way to, to cruise and, and using yeah. your software? Yeah, that, well, so it's funny, it has changed. In, in some ways, it's changed quite a bit. And in other ways, it's not changed at all. The ways that it's changed quite a bit is, so when we when we launched, like the, the, the first versions of Forest Metrics, this was before the iPad mini. So it was originally designed for the iPhone, which back then the iPhones were like the size of a business card, you know, and we were about halfway through developing those prototypes. And I was out, you know, using with it and cruising with it. And we got word that the iPad mini was coming up, you know, it was October of 2012. And this amazing device, oh, I just have one right here that you could I, fit I have in, one behind me as well, right, that you could fit in your hand. And, and this was like, oh yeah, this is it. Like, this is... So if this hadn't come out, we probably wouldn't it, it, we probably wouldn't have been able to get the acceptance that we did because the the older phones were just too tiny. You know, they just weren't all that compelling. But at the time, you know, it's 2012, so this thing just comes out. It basically looks to most people like a piece of glass, which it really is, and we're telling people, "Oh, take this into the woods. It's great. You'll be fine." Of course, we were pretty much right, but it was a pretty hard sell. <laughs> you know, back in 2012, convincing people that they didn't really need something that they were used to bring around, you know, the brick, the the the, the three pound thing that they would say, oh, well, I just throw it in the back of my truck and I go and it's like, well, why are you throwing it in the back of your truck? <laughs> you know, it was this, this whole mindset was really bizarre of like, well, I want to just be able to beat up this hardware. And it's been years since we've had to have that conversation. You know, it, it really took probably five years. It was probably 2017, 18, where we just stopped hearing as much of that. Um, and I don't, I think, I think to a certain extent, 
you know, there, there are certainly people that do need those devices. And I'm, and I'm looking at you Pacific Northwest where it's raining all the time, you know, like that's the, that's the big thing is, you know, rain, they're not as good in the rain. And I, you know, don't make any excuses for that. Um, but for the most part, people are realizing, geez, I have this with me all the time. I can use it. But the, 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 pace at which we were having those discussions back in 2012 13 14 was insane like you would have thought that we were that we were i can't even think of a good metaphor but you know it was it was ridiculous how much resistance we had of course once people accepted the idea i mean the the growth that we saw in those first few years it was pretty it was clear that the need was there you know that we were filling this need that that was was um, being represented in the industry. Um, so in the beginning, yes, it was a lot of questions about can I use this in the woods? Obviously, we've we've kind of gotten past that. Where I mean, we have large state agencies and and large private companies deploying these by the by the hundreds and thousands, really in in severe environments so that 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 we've gotten past some things we haven't um you know platform has always been a challenge for us because we are only ios not by choice it's it's not like a strategic decision that we made but we we built in filemaker desktop software filemaker works in windows mac linux and ios it does not work in android and if it did, we would be, you know, marketing to to those devices, which would be great. But it's simply a, a limitation of the of the platform on which we're developing. So so that comes up every now and again. But even then, like we're seeing, you know, state agencies just issuing iPhones to all of their all of their employees. So it, you know, even that the platform discussion has been muted a bit. It hasn't gone away entirely, um, but it's certainly much less of an issue than it used to be. For sure, for sure. And I remember back in those days, the uh, the Apple products are almost viewed as premium, if you will, shiny. And then yeah. nowadays, you know, you look at an Android tablet, you can have some of those that are more expensive than some of the the basic iPads, right, that are that are coming yeah. in. So definitely interesting there. Well, that negates my question of asking what the split in users are across platforms since it's it's iOS and and that's the the piece. So thinking of of me, Joe Forrester, I'm coming, I'm like, all right, Don, I'm I gotta cruise, I gotta do a cruise tomorrow. Um, I gotta go. It's like walk me through that flow if I if I'm your customer and uh is it as simple as hey man go to the apple app store download it i'll give you some credentials or something and, yeah. and so foolproof that that you're off to the races or is there you know a library of thousands of uh don downy youtube self-help uh videos that that you subscribe to and watch and uh, uh what, what's the world look like from an onboarding point of view right right so it, it, for the first couple of years it was very high touch it was, you know, everything you were setting people up individually, you know, using Zoom or GoToMeeting back then before Zoom became ubiquitous. Um, and it was very high touch. It was, you know, we set you up remotely. We're walking you through. We're, uh, you know, helping you get set up. It, you know, it might have been a couple hour investment over a period of, of meetings. But during that time, over that real, the hyper development, 2013 to 18, which was when we were learning all these things about what people needed and kind of building in customizations to make it more universal. So in other words, 
in the beginning, in the first couple of years, we might actually release custom versions, you know, like, oh, this person really needs this very specific thing. And we would just build it and give it to them. But over those few years, it was maturing such that we were just rolling those things into the flagship, you know, kind of in, instead of having all these fork versions, which, you know, as a developer is, is a disaster from a from a strategy standpoint, we kept building things in. And we, by by working so closely with so many people, figured out exactly where the bottlenecks were, exactly where the speed bumps were as far as onboarding and kind of changed the program to meet those not meet those expectations to well to, to 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 respond to those learnings as in you know we would see where people struggled and we would say well let's make that part of the program easier and it got to the point where in 2018 we released what we called the force metrics pro version which is kind of the the structure that we work in now where you can download it from our website and it actually walks you through the the setup you know, you open it up and it says, hi, you know, thanks for downloading, you know, what are the tree species that you use? And you check some boxes. So oh, that's great. You know, what is the sampling method you use? It's very, I don't want to say interactive, but it it's self-guided. So we have people who might contact us, hey, I want to download this. We send them to the download uh, page. They follow the two steps. It's not a standalone app because of the whole FileMaker thing that I that I mentioned. So FileMaker is a free app in the App Store, but then you download Forest Metrics from our website and that lives and behaves within the Forest, within the FileMaker environment. So it's, it's at the point now, and we'll pretty much starting in 2018, people could just go to our website, install it, download it, set themselves up, and we would never even hear from them. They would just subscribe and we'd say, oh, who's this fellow? Wow, that's nice of them. Um, and and the, the, the requirement of, of kind of one-on-one -on -one training was completely gone. We have a handful of training videos, um, maybe 10 or 12, but it's, it's, <laughs> I, it's pretty easy. It's a pretty intuitive, simple program that people can watch a half dozen videos that are, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes long, shows them through different parts of the program. And then we find that probably 80, 90% of people just don't need our help at all. Um, you know, there's a fairly concise manual with a lot of graphics, um, but it's just, it's, it's, it, the program kind of runs itself. So that's how it is. And we still have unlimited help and uh, support for life. I mean, you get unlimited one-on-one -on -one support. And the reason we're able to get away with that for no extra charge is that it doesn't require a lot of support from us. You know, <laughs> like if, if it was, if it was, uh, you know, if we were still doing what we were doing 10 years ago, yeah, I'd be doing 200 hours a week, but that's the program is so refined that it just doesn't require a lot of uh, of one on one time. So I'll have a, you know, I'll 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 do some tutorials and we're obviously happy to spend as much time as people want. We just find many fewer people need that real high level of touch. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. It sounds like yeah, maybe directly or indirectly from that user experience point of view kind of nailed it so that it's just uh, you aren't going to say it, I'll say it, but idiot proof in terms of how you actually interact with the software, it's it's just self-explanatory. And we we both know Forrester's love that simple 
simple, just works. Keep it simple, stupid. I hit the button. It does what it's supposed to do. Awesome. Don't need to talk to anyone else. Awesome. I can go do my work in the, the field. Awesome. And, and it works and saves me time. Absolutely. Um, thinking of that, like sounds very, very cool. And I'm curious to, 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 I always say on these podcasts, pick people's brain. And some people have said like, are you, maybe it's a Canadian saying, I don't know, but I'm going to pick your brain. So looking forward, um, where we are right now, um, you know, Sam Altman in the news, just got canned from OpenAI. Um, lots of questions there. Um, you know, are we generative AI, all this stuff? Um, on one side, when we think about technology, do you see a world where, you know, there's some folks that try and do some of this cruising, you know, via audio? Um, some folks are, you know, I, you know, treat to, and here's the DBH and X inches height, et cetera, and they're doing audio. Um, some are trying to, you know, use newer technologies like a backpack ladder with camera and inertial measurement unit. And basically by the time you walk to the plot center, it's, it's done and there's a bunch of AI driving. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because you're kind of describing, you know, Forest Metrics Pro as it's a simple piece of software and yet very powerful because it gets the job done. Um, and I suspect cost effective and we can, we could, if you want to share, you know, the pricing side of things, um, the order of magnitude. Um, but what does all this new stuff mean to you? And does it make you nervous or does it keep you, get you, get you up in the morning out of bed and get you excited? What does all this new stuff coming mean to the, the business of cruising in general? Right. I hope it means some significant changes. I mean, I, I'm not sitting in this chair because I've always wanted to be a software developer. You know, I'm, I'm sitting in this chair because I wish somebody else did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, I want things to be easier. And to whatever extent that can happen, I'm all for it. I think the two things that I've been really focused on, one is the voice voice recognition or voice you know dictation. So we don't need to be looking at our devices. I think that that that's a, a big improvement that that should have happened years ago, and we just haven't been able to get there yet in terms of, well, there are some people that are getting close, but it's really not uh, um, universally acceptable yet. As far as just being able to walk through, say, white pine, 24.5 inches, you know, 48 feet of merchantable height, whatever. And then and and that is something that we can we have prototypes. We are actually working on that. It's it's going to happen. It's just there's some things that we're still working on. Um, but that that's got to happen soon. LIDAR is is been tremendously frustrating for me, like like most people. In fact, it was just a month or a month and a half ago that I was out with a backpack unit demoing it. And I see tremendous promise. Um and hopefully AI will be able to, to kind of speed that along because one of the things that we're really struggling with, or I shouldn't say we, um, but the industry is really struggling with at the point-based LIDAR side is, is species identification. Um, you know, measuring is easy. Sure, you wave, wave the scanner around. Yeah, there's our measurement. But the species identification and just as importantly, grade. Like, you know, what we're doing in in much of, I mean, pretty much most of the hardwood um, uh, industry in, in the eastern United States, it's the values all based on grade. And we aren't at the point where the uh, LIDAR processing is sophisticated enough to distinguish that. 
You know, is this number two log? Is this number three log? Is it possibly veneer? Because that's where the rubber really hits the road. So I see if if LIDAR could save me time at the plot by having to measure borderline trees, by having to well measure any trees, that would be huge. But the the notion that it could just be fully automated and robotic and not require any um, objectivity of the forester, I'm, I'd like to think that's possible, but I think we're a long ways off. Um, and, you know, I, I, <clears throat> yeah, I, I guess I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think a lot of people are, aren't sure why, what it means, because it, it is new, right? You have these, uh, um, these LLMs or these uh, large language models that can pass the MCATs or the LSATs, you know, better than a human and detect things. And, um, it'll be really interesting to see what what the the future um, looks like, and and along those lines, no matter which path that goes with the technology, um, you know, as we started talking, you were mentioning, you know, you're dealing with, you know, the consulting forest or the the <laughs> one man or woman shop or whatnot. I'm assuming that any of this new technology are going to present themselves as more speed bumps maybe bigger than saying, Hey, I've got an iPhone and this is what it does. Right. At least it's a telephone. You can relate and go, Oh, ET phone home. It's like, I can call versus, Hey, I got this 40 pound backpack and and don't worry. It's not going to burn a hole in your brain because it's shooting, you know, you know, millions of pulses of like, oh, I save, you know, uh, like, you know, a uh, class one laser. It's okay. You know, don't trust us. Mm -hmm. It's okay. Right. And uh, uh, going forward. So that's what I'm, I'm curious to see how it unfolds in terms of, uh, technology transfer and adoption and that's why i asked earlier to say you know like are there certain speed bumps because i i i believe you know any new technology is going to go through that same um life cycle if you will of trying to get traction and then and then uh and then go from there are there any other technologies that thinking about you and force metrics and also your role as a consulting forester you know if we were to take everything you've done and maybe do a shift and say okay uh, you know, yeah, yeah, young man here now is looking for the next thing. What What's the next thing Don wants to make easy? Are there areas that you're like, um, you know, if I was to repeat and focus on another problem to solve for my consulting foresters or, or the forest industry in general, um, are there areas that you're, you're thinking about from a technology point of view that you're like, wow, it's like, this is an obvious one that I can force metrics it to, to create some, some, something new. There's, there's um, some decidedly unsexy things. Yes. There's nothing that's all that amazing in terms of, Oh, we have the next, the next big thing. One of the things that I'm working on, um, and this is just like how forest metrics started. It was, uh, uh, you know, it started as a, pretty much a self-serving mission. I wanted to develop something that would work well for me. And where we're at with forest metrics is looking at that kind of business management tool for foresters, as in, you know, one of the things, since I get to work with a ton of consultants, um, I'm, you know, they come to, they come to us for the inventory. They say, okay, I want to cruise better. And then the next question is, oh, wait, how are you making your maps? And so we're developing, you know, workflows there to, to, to help people use, you know, QGIS better. And the other thing is, how do you manage your jobs? How do you manage your, your business relationships? How do you manage your accounting? 
And forestry, I mean, for, for the same reason that forest metrics exists and there's not Google for forestry or like Microsoft Office forestry edition, it's such a tiny niche that it's never really going to be served effectively by a big software provider. So right now, um, you know, I'm developing a, a system, basically kind of a, a a business management system for managing um, forestry specific client relationships, projects, uh, timber sale accounting. It's kind of the tool that I'm using to run my consulting forestry shop. It's uh, um, where I can sit down and look at my dashboard in the morning and say, oh, these are the three management plans that I need to get submitted by this day. And I'm waiting for those proposals uh, to be returned and signed. And I need to enter some load slips on these two timber harvests that we have going on and close out payments to the loggers. It's kind of like the the business administration tool for a consulting forester. And just like with Forest Metrics, we're fleshing it out now for me and my firm and a couple of colleagues that I'm working with. Um, and we'll see, perhaps it'll become something that is kind of, uh, uh, I, I will never say universally applicable because that doesn't exist in forestry, but at least uh, universally maybe more acceptable uh, that that others could benefit from. We'll see, you know, it's these are the kind of things that take a very long time to, to, to figure out, um, but that's something that that is a, a serious need. I mean, you see so many people, as you mentioned, like foresters are, are uh, they, they love forestry. They love being in the woods. They're not necessarily um, skilled business people. You know, the, the business side of things just gets backburnered. You know, they don't want to deal with that. I don't blame them. I don't either, which is why I'm trying to develop a system that reduces the amount of time I'm spending doing the administration side of things. So is it lasers and voice recognition? No. Is it a very necessary uh, a function of running an efficient business? Yeah. And ultimately, that's where I'm at as far as like my goal is always just to try and find a way to do something better. And it might involve styrofoam cups and a dowel. It, you know, it doesn't have to be tech oriented. It's just there might be a better way of doing something. Um, so my 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 focus while my uh, while I'm always intrigued with technology and I like to see how I can use it, ultimately, um, I'm just trying to save time and however that, you know, however that's done, uh, be it a technological solution or otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Saving time. That's the the name of the game. And, and, and based on that, Don, I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious to know what's the average day look like? Cause it sounds like, you know, you, you get up at three in the morning, go to the gym, then run a marathon and then come home and then do, you know, some software development for three hours and then chef yourself a lunch and then go out to the bush to your consulting forester and then come back, do some yoga Pilates and then code some more and then repeat. But sounds like a pretty busy schedule. No, man, I, that's funny. I, I don't know if it's just because I live in Vermont or something that, that you think that I'm so healthy and, and ambitious. Um, <laughs> the, uh, <clears throat> I, it, it, it has been a challenge. I'll tell you that um, as far as balancing, because I really, you know, I wear two very related, but entirely different hats. Um, but for the, I think mostly um, the success has been based on time management in terms of scheduling, in terms of blocking out. You know, I will say on this week, uh, Tuesday and Thursday, I need to be in the field. 
Monday and Wednesday afternoon, I need to be uh, focused on development, you know, force metrics, uh, Fridays, all meetings, you know, it's very much I, I have my week siloed. Um, and, you know, every day, I do wake up early. It's not for Pilates, uh, but I do wake up early and I get a lot of work done uh, emails. You know, I, I basically, I jam through an hour or two of emails at the start of every day and just keeps the plate clean, you know, keep that whole zero inbox that people talk about. Like I, I'm very, you know, I'm pretty disciplined about that. And then it's just a matter of like, right now I can tell you next week exactly where I'm going to be when, and it's just a matter of budgeting time. You know, it, it's just a matter of budgeting time um, and and knowing how to delegate to my partners on both sides, you know, for both forestry and 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 forest metrics. Um, and and just I, I think I think the other thing is is being reasonable as far as how much one can bite off. You know, I think for the and, and here, I mean, you're in the same boat. It's like, well, can we do this? Sure. Should we really take this on? maybe not you know what i mean like trying to to be rational about how much bandwidth we all have you know i have a million dollars for you don it's top priority to get these features built in this new technology right and uh yeah there's always uh, competing uh pressures there so you mentioned some of your partners so tell me how what it's like to work with them because it's still technology and i think looking at the website there's some folks that that are maybe digital nomads, but sounds like you, uh, the bunch of you have kind of mastered the art of maybe asynchronous communication or or just better <clears throat> communication to, to be super, super productive. Indeed, indeed. I think, you know, again, our our development requirements aren't huge because, because of the environment in which we're programming. So we have a couple people that are kind of specialists in individual, you know, parts of the program. And yeah, one lives in Portugal, one lives in France, a couple live in Vermont. Uh, you know, it's it's kind of, it's such a great way that you can put together a team these days. Um, so we can find just the right people. We, um, you know, we have a couple of us who are full time and then a couple are, are contracted. Um, so it's pretty easy, frankly, to kind of uh, keep those things organized and make sure everybody's you know, doing what they need to be doing. Um, <clears throat> the for the first half dozen years, it was fast and furious. It was nonstop. You know, with with several of us, and now we're in a more stable state where it's it's more surgical improvements and revisions. Um, but it's not you know six people doing eighty hour weeks um, with their eyes bleeding in front of a display. You know. And then my partner on the forestry side is basically my my mentor from from uh, you know the the past decade or so. Um, the fellow whose 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 company I uh, it's just the two of us, and he kind of you know I have I have my partners on the software side, and I have my partner on the forestry side where I'm gleaning a lot of that you know wisdom and trying to harvest everything I can from his brain before he retires for good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like the uh, the the team retreats are uh, probably in France and part Portugal. Nothing wrong with Maine or or Vermont or the the Northeast, but I suspect uh, when you have the reason, you get to uh, or you find a reason to hop to Europe, maybe and, and enjoy some uh, some changes changes. Well, that's 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 the bummer. I mean, Zoom is so efficient that it's hard to justify. But when I'm sitting there and I'm zooming with our guy in France, and he's sitting 
in the back of his, uh, you know, of course he lives in a sprinter van because why not, um, you know, with the backdrop of a vineyard as the sun's setting and he's sitting there programming away. <laughs> well, you could solve that. Just show up and you could be each side on each side of the sprinter van on your computers, right. on Starlink, having the conversation, pour, pour each other, top each other's uh, glasses <laughs> off there and, and solve that. Oh, that's that's, that's yeah. really funny. So I'm curious to know your thoughts. Um, you know, as we we shift maybe to broader topics, as we think about and this and the reason I ask is because again, you're in this unique role where you're playing that consulting forester, but you're also a developer or or a technologist. And so when we think about you know climate change, when we think about um, you know all the carbon work, carbon markets, and 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 whatnot, what does that mean to to you? And does that ripple into the technology space as as a digital forester or or is it more muted and you're not you're not seeing as much um uh, or maybe jumping on the hype with with what a bunch of players are doing with remote sensing and carbon and who's yeah. who so our role our role is to, is really focused on the field side of things you know that's where we're trying to save time and in in the field and dealing with that stuff and what the 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 carbon discussion, the other ecological services um, that we're focusing more on, our role in that is to help people collect that data and analyze it easier. So, for instance, we're not we're not getting into the remote sensing space. You know, it's just that's not our core competency. Um, we are further developing the field platform to help people collecting the data that they need to ground truth that, you know, uh, there are a lot of programs, you know, in the States where, you know, the Audubon has a, has a program for, you know, forest habitat for the birds. There are state agencies such as uh, Massachusetts right now that in their forest, for, forest stewardship plans, you have to um, be evaluating certain carbon and climate related attributes. You know, they're now tallying down woody debris and tallying regeneration more explicitly and, um, and, and noting a lot more features. So the demands that are being placed on the foresters in the field are generally greater. At the same time that we're saving time on the remote side, the demands of the field forester are also increasing in the field. Um, and our role is just to simply help them do that more efficiently, help them compile that data um, so they can uh, so they can have room in their head for all of these different programs that they need to be dealing with, you know, because that's the, the complaint that I hear mostly from my forestry colleagues is, geez, the state wants us to do this now, and now we have to deal with this, and now I have to be able to analyze this i don't even know what that is so our job at forest metrics is to try and you know provide clarity like half the time like i'm a consulting forester half the time i'm a i'm a forester consultant where i'm like helping other foresters figure out how to do their job easier um so that's where that's where our role is you know and 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 it's really and there are the the op the opportunities for for doing that just are are growing every year I mean, with with all of the demands that are being placed on the foresters, for sure, for sure, love it. Very focused in terms of uh, your product and and what it's going to do, and not trying to make it be something 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 else. There's something you said earlier that stuck with me, and and it's kind of stuck with me the last you know twenty or thirty minutes here. Uh, and you made a comment saying, you know, I I you know you'd love to do different things, and and you're in the seat because 
um, you know, there's not someone, there's not a developer doing this or building this software for you to, to make things easier. I'm going to take that and, and, and say, you know, touches a bit on the whole talent thing. I think you'd agree in like the forest industry there, there's talent shortage, skill set shortage, you know, as you said, even at the start, being a forester is often not something that, that, that pops to mind. A lot of people go the environmental study science side to start off with and, and whatnot. But I'm curious to know, like maybe at, um, I don't think philosophical, well, maybe it's philosophical, but why do you think there are people who are willing to, 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 to gently nudge you out of your seat and say, you know, Don, I, I'm going to take this over because a lot of folks talk about, you know, the, the total addressable market or the TAM for, you know, forestry software and it's, and it's small, but it's still a significant size that even if you're to take a percentage of that, that TAM, it, it's a sizable amount of, uh, of dollars. So I'm curious to know from your seat, why do you think um, people, is it the force? community that is perceived as laggards and not interested in investing in innovation so that there's not an ecosystem that's created for people to to do this do you think maybe there's a generational component because there's like some young people now that you know they whip out their their two or three phones or their pixel folds or samsung folds like they expect to do things by by default um, but I'm curious to know what what are your thoughts on why um, maybe from a technology point of view there aren't more actors in this space trying to to help everyone be more efficient and do things quicker and save people money. I think ultimately you're right. I mean, theoretically there is a fair bit of uh, what's the what's the acronym you use, Tam? Um, Total addressable market. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. Uh, the. Uh, I believe I believe that when you say it, but forestry is and and will forever be a very small niche market with very sophisticated and particular needs, and I'm just afraid that it's always going to be too small. Um, mostly because forest products, you know, the demand is growing worldwide at you know six percent a year, but forest products are not going to appreciate like like AI assets. You know, I mean, ultimately, we're dealing with trees that just grow too slowly. You know, <laughs> like you, you can't have you can't have growth in the market of twenty five percent when your asset is growing at three. You know, it, it's just I I I you know the the economist to me just says it's just simply not hot enough to attract serious, and I I don't mean serious, I mean huge development. You know, and I think it's just far too niche. I think that you know what we're doing it, now. You're in a space that's a bit more, well, much more universally. Um, there's there's a much higher uh, um, ceiling for you because the technology that that you're working with is is more universally applicable to other industries, other um, other other experts need it. Whereas what we're doing is very, very niche. It's very specific. And I think technology on, on the one hand is going to save people time, but on the other hand, we're, we're losing, you know, we have more people retiring out than getting in. And for, I think the same reason, forestry just isn't the most sexy or fast growing profession. 
I don't see a huge influx of young kids coming into it, not when they can be something more universalist like environmental scientists. I mean, heck, you've seen what the job market is these days. If I were a senior in 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 college and I was thinking, am I going to put my hat into the forestry ring or into environmental engineering? And I had to think about paying off my student loans. You know, forestry is a is a bit more of a, a risk in terms of it's just so 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 hyper specific. So, as you have the foresters that are aging out, I think the fact that there aren't a ton of people coming in might not be it might not be the death knell for forestry because we are becoming more efficient. I think fewer people can do the work of uh, of the same amount of people in the past. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So it, it's not unlike, uh, say, logging. I mean, the logging capacity, the logging industry, loggers are retiring, but logging is also getting way more productive. So you don't need as many loggers to do the same amount of work. So while we're struggling, you know, filling filling seats, I think that it's kind of, it's almost a natural progression for the efficiency to get greater as the labor force um, starts to diminish. And I think we're going to maintain a pretty good balance there, but I don't see forestry growing um, in, in any leaps and bounds. I think that the carbon thing is certainly a, a bright spot, um, but I think ultimately um, we're dealing with an asset that I don't think people are ever going to fully value as much as the carbon market is trying to do that. Um, so uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a bit of a, a Debbie Downer on that front, but I, I, I'm happy with where we are. I'm happy with the industry. I'm just not, uh, you know, I'm not optimistic that it's going to triple in size in the next decade. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. And, and at times I wonder whether one, a professor should start their forestry 101 class with a sprinter van in the background with a Starlink dish and a chair with uh, behind the vineyard and say, hey, it's like, this is what a for digital forester is and see people's eyes light up the the youngins, uh, the youngins there. Yeah. Uh, so so as we're looking to wind down and, and definitely enjoyed the conversation, totally cool, um, learning more about your story. And and I love the the focus where uh, and and to some extent, it sounds like you need to be focused because you have those other duties and responsibilities with um, with your other roles as a consulting forester. But thinking of um, the young folks out there, the young professionals, and 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 maybe to take you know our conversation and 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 spin it a different way, um, what advice would you give to them, or what I call the pro tips? If you had a younger uh, Don Downey here back in the day, still following the same trajectory in the path. Thinking about your experiences to date, are there one or two or three life learnings that you would be like that you'd want to share and go like, man, if I if I knew this, then then um, maybe not that you'd be not where you are, but maybe you'd be there sooner, or maybe you have more, or maybe you'd have that that design build company still going as a third entrepreneur uh, business going the trifecta there. Any pro tips for the young uh, digital forester professionals out there? I think, I mean, I, I think there are two things that come to mind and, and these are just, they're things that worked well for me. Um, and, and I, I think they're pretty universally acceptable. I think one is, so, so right now, you, you know, the foresters are coming out of college. They're, 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 they're not sure what their future holds. Um, the number of folks who are 
aging out of the profession is is stunning. I mean, the 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 rate at which consulting forestry firms are folding into other firms, somebody's retiring, looking to get rid of their clients. Um, the 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 rate at which that kind of management regime is changing is is startling, and I think. If anybody in, in, in that position in college is worried, all they need to do is introduce themselves to a couple foresters and they will get work. I think too often in this, be, because of, okay, because forestry is so tiny, you know, people are looking for jobs and they're going to go to, you know, U.S. Forest Service. They're going to go to Warehouser. They're going to go to Potlatch Delta. You know, they're going to just look at the big, the big places and get nervous. But in reality, there's so much demand for boots on the ground forestry on the private side that's just harder to find. But if you show up at a meeting, if you show up at a workshop or an SAF meeting, if you're not involved in the student SAF chapter, um, that's where you're going to get that job. And the, 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 where I'm going with this is if there was one piece of advice, it would be ask questions locate somebody with gray hair, ask them questions, introduce yourself, ingratiate yourself with them um, because you're going to learn everything from that from 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 the old guard and they are the key to to helping you you know get to to, to, to your future really. Um, you know asking questions, be curious. Um, that's that it, it it's how I've always managed to get where I am is just by saying, I don't know this. be be happy that you don't know something and be willing to ask the question. And the question that often makes you feel dumb, but that's the question that needs to be asked and the question that most people appreciate hearing. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Love it, love it. And, you know, often things boil down to the simple things, uh, you know, network, 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 and, you know, be open-minded, you know, be curious and and love it. So, hey, I really appreciate you carving out some time to to talk with me. It was great to see you at least, maybe not in person, but it's definitely been uh, probably well over three or four or even five years, I don't know, both you and I couldn't uh, recollect or remember when the last time we, we shared a soda pop, but definitely appreciate your time. So for our listeners or our audience, you know, Don mentioned he doesn't get that many support calls. So maybe we should try and uh, generate an uptick in volume of calls or, or pings. So if folks want to get, get a hold of you, Don, uh, learn more about Force Metrics uh, Pro Software or your consulting forester uh, forestry services. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you? Sure, sure. Our website is forestmetrics.com, forestmetrics with an X. And I can be reached at Don with two N's at forestmetrics.com. And that's the easiest way to find us. Um, and that's where you could download, um, you know, download free trial and reach out and contact me. Um, see all the uh, great videos and, and help resources and, uh, yeah, that's, that's the easiest way to contact me, forestmetrics.com. Awesome. Sounds great. Well, again, appreciate you carving out some time. I enjoyed this conversation a lot. Wishing you all the best, and hopefully I'll see you uh, somewhere on the, the event circuit uh, soon. 2024 will be busy, I'm sure of it. For sure, 100%. All right, all right. great seeing you. Good chatting with you. Wishing you all the best. Likewise, Kevin. Thank you very much. Take care. Take care.